Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Welcome back to another edition of Red Sox Rap 360. Alongside Bobby DeMuro, I'm Mike Conley. How's everybody doing? Listen. It wasn't a very good week, so I can't imagine anybody's doing real good. But some good things happened today. <laughs> I love how you didn't even let me answer. I knew what it's you were going to say. It's a bad week. You're just going to let it go. Please, please, let me have it. <laughs> Listen, before we get into today, mm. um, let's follow up on... The Angels series a little bit, the Astros and the Tigers up until today. Sure, sure. The best thing, including today. And, well, oh well, yeah, I hear what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. So socks drop nine of eleven, including today. Not sarcastically, I love to give you crap, and I'm gonna do it all day. But not sarcastically, the best timing at the the best thing at the best time for the Red Sox is dropping nine of eleven right now. Because last week on this show, you told me this team could contend in the AL East. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And no, I mean, I'm being serious about this. The best thing was for them was to drop 9 of 11 right now because it tells them at the deadline, don't go get Cole Hamels. Don't go sell the farm for Johnny Cueto. Too late for that anyways, obviously. Don't go get one of these big-time frontline starters. If you're going to make a trade, make a trade for the future. Let a guy like Eddie Rodriguez do the ball okay today. Let a guy like Eddie Rodriguez develop. Let these younger guys develop. You're not going to contend this year. And losing 9 of 11 right before the deadline is the perfect thing for them to remind them of that if they had any notion that they were going to contend they will not yeah i think i told you last week well we got the we got the next two weeks to decide if we're going to be buyers or sellers it turns out it only took one week exactly and that's and that's a good thing i mean you don't want to lose nine of eleven but if you're going to do it it's a good week to do it because let's say you buy cole hamels and then you lose 12 of 15 you know and you become whoo see you later (laughs) that's a real bad trade (laughs) I understand that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm starting to think that ha- Hamels is just going to stay put. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, they're asking for too much, or Amaro's just going to pull the trigger at the last second. I mean, look at what Cueto's bringing back as a renter player. Yeah, yeah, the, Cueto will not re-sign with the Royals in three months. That's, but here's the thing. We were talking about this, so folks at home, I do Dodgers Rap 360. It is a hundred times better than Red Sox Rap, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Um, no, seriously though, we were talking about that on the show earlier tonight, that there's two kinds of teams that go to the playoffs. It is the Houston Astros. I, I use these examples, the Astros, who we saw this week. You, you're there. You get Scott Casimir, maybe he helps you. Maybe you've got a shot. Weird things happen in the playoffs. Ask the Royals last year. And the other team that goes to the playoffs is the bona fide World Series contender. The Royals believe they're it, so they rent a player for a couple months in Cueto. Somebody like the Dodgers in our show earlier today, the mm-hmm. Dodgers are going to think they're it. They're going to go get a player. But the but for the Red Sox, which are neither, you're obviously not going to get the rent a player because you weren't going to be close. And Hamels would have been a bad investment anyways. I know they've been looking at him hard. I think he would have been a real bad investment in Boston. 
Well, I th- I'm always weary of obviously the guys coming over to the American League from the National League because the, the American League is obviously the superior league, as we see in every All Star game. You know, since Settle it's down. counted. Oh, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm always weary of that. But there is the fact that he is under team control for like the next three years at a number. That's like 22, 23 million. And these pitches out there, Cueto, somebody's going to give Cueto yeah. seven years, 180 million. Yeah, what the hell is, if Granky opts it's out, like, what the hell is he going to make next year? Yeah, it's going to be astronomical. So that's why Hamels is kind of attractive. And that's why I think Amaro thinks he can get, you know, a lot of boatload for him. But I, I mean, I don't see. I mean, I hear the Rangers are in the mix. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their farm system's like, but I mean, they're, they're like sellers, and now all of a sudden they're buying Hamels looking to the future because they don't want to rent a place. And they're going to, they're, they're like buyers and sellers. Imagine if they deal for Cueto and then they go ahead and deal Gallardo, so, which so, is probably going to happen. Which is going to happen. The Dodgers <laughs> might go get Giovanni Gallardo by the time we're done with this show. Right. <laughs> so let me ask you a question then because mm-hmm. this keeps coming up and it, it applies to Boston, it applies to every team in the league. Is the trade deadline too early? Do you just, do you make it later, two three weeks later, because you got the extra wild cards? So there are more Texas Rangers out there than there are Boston Red Sox. There are more teams who believe they are in it, correctly or not. Yeah, no, and I, that's surprising to me that when they added the second wild card, that they didn't do that. I yeah. thought they were going to push it till say mid August, but I mean, there's there's so many trades that happen post the thirty first deadline anyway. Once people get through waivers and stuff, that but waivers yeah. is tough. I mean, only certain. Yeah, Players can go. Adam Dunn's the notable one from the last couple of years, right? Right. When he went and then didn't end up playing for the Oakland A's in their play-in game. But I would love to see it moved later only because the sense of urgency at the end of July, we are baseball guys. People watching a show like this are baseball guys and gals. The urgency is there for us. The kind of casual fan at the end of July, it's still summertime, whatever, you know, right. got 100 gear, 50 games left, whatever. You're just 100 down. Yeah. Well, wait a second, man. You're going to blink, and it's going to be August 25, and you're going to have a month to go. Yeah. And I think if you move the deadline to August 25, wow, whoo, it just everything speeds up. The next month becomes crazy. <laughs> you know, you make a trade. Let's say you do this. You make a trade deadline August 20. You set your 40-man roster on September 1. You set your playoff roster on October 1. you got to make a lot of decisions in five weeks. Yeah. That would be so much fun. <laughs> and it would heighten it would heighten everything so much. I mean, that's, that, I know that's not a Red Sox topic, but I think it applies no, to no. them as much as anybody I mean, else. It's a baseball topic. It yeah. is, it's trade deadline time. we got to talk about trades. And are the Red Sox going to make trades? I mean, they're going to look and see if they can get a taker for Victorino and yeah. Napoli because they're up at the end of the year and they won't be back. Rumor has it that the Pirates are interested in both those guys. I mean, we're not going to get much, you know. But but, e- but when you look at Napoli and what he's given you, if you get back a mid-level prospect who's in high A right now for Mike Napoli, okay. You know, I, maybe that guy turns into something, maybe he turns into nothing, but at least you didn't lose Napoli from nothing. Yeah. It would be nice to get something back from him because, I mean, you're going to laugh at me. But he's starting to turn a corner. I mean, the guys, <laughs> after the break, 10 for 28, he's hitting a 357 clip. I mean, the guy is, eh, two more hits today. I mean, the guy is turning a corner. I, I, I know you, you can't stand my optimism, especially for a team <laughs> that has been this horrible. But this is just stored up. I mean, I really feel like that 0-4 team did so much for me that I got to hang with this team even though they're horrible right now. And, you know, in the, in that 
sense of optimism. Today was a wonderful day. <laughs> okay, it was a eleven to one win. Mm-hmm. Poppy gets back on track. He gets career high seven RBIs, hits two bombs. He vaults to thirty eighth in the all time RBI list, passing the likes of Rogers, Hornsby, Al Kaline, and Harmon Killebrew. Those guys were okay. <laughs> Uh, and Pedro, we'll talk about Pedro later, but it's I also Pedro Day. Pedro Day. Um, look, this is this is every team's going to have a few like this. Every team's going to have a few that go the other way. My Colorado Rockies put up seventeen runs today. Wow! So hey, and not to brag, but you guys still would have lost by six if we went head to head this afternoon. Wow! No, listen, they should be buyers. You get. <laughs> Kyle Kendrick for the Rockies got a win today, going five innings, giving up six runs, picked up the win. (laughs) This is why pitcher wins don't matter. Uh, Look, you're going to have days like this. I think the biggest, most important thing on this day was Eduardo Rodriguez. Anytime you can go anywhere, doesn't have enough to go eight or nine. If you can go five or six, give up a run, get get do that well enough. And for him, for a young guy, you know what? When the Red Sox go up by a lot. What does he do? Hey, he doesn't screw around. He doesn't start nibbling corners. He says, okay, we're up by a lot of runs. I'm going to throw it, and they can hit it. And sure enough, what do you know? They hit it to people. You win by 10. That's the most exciting development for me today is Rodriguez. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that like the bats and the pitching matched up on the same day is obviously exciting. I mean, as horrible as this past road trip was, and it was horrible, like the worst in 64 years for the Sox. But I felt like on that seven-game trip, they pitched well enough in four of them to win, you know? And so this kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit last week of we all knew coming into the season when you throw a bunch of friggin' number three starters into a rotation and just hope for the best – that and acquire the alleged two best bats on the open market, that this was going to be a team that was going to have to score runs in order to win. And they haven't done that. They haven't hit in the clutch at all, you know. So hopefully this is moving in the right direction. And look, and this is why the Red Sox are not a playoff team, and they never were this year. Because of things like this, when you get into a game and you are losing 2-1 to one in the eighth inning, just hypothetically, but games where you said it, where you're pitching well enough to win a game, when you're losing 3-2, to 2-1, two, two to one, whatever, good teams in the 7th, 8th, ninth inning show up. What have the Red Sox struggled on this year? Hitting with runners in scoring position. Yeah. Playoff teams hit with runners in scoring position. A big part of that's luck, you know, for sure. But a big part of that is knowing when to capitalize and being able to capitalize when every pitcher is going to bear down against you. And a good team does it. A bad team does what the Red Sox do and a lot of other clubs. And you're seeing, I think, this week is a microcosm of why they're not a playoff team. And it's not just, well, they went on the road and lost. Look deeper. Look to the next level. You don't pitch quite well enough. And then when you do, the bats can't show up. You can't get in harmony. 60% 60% of the time, which you need to do to get to the playoffs, 55-60% of the time. And, not for nothing, look at the two road trip clubs you played before Detroit. Uh, Houston and Los Angeles, the Angels. Both those are good teams. Both those teams are probably going to be in the playoffs when it's all said and done. If you can't play against a playoff club on the road in the regular season, you're not going to get the chance to do it in the, in the postseason. Yeah, I would say right now those two teams are uh, like, with the Royals, two out of the top three teams in the league. And I really think the Angels are the class of the league right now. I'm eager to really? see what they do wow. at the deadline. I, I, I mean, they're going to pick up a bat, obviously, a left field bat. So I was thinking about this, because the obvious left field bat on the market, Carlos Gonzalez, let's be real, or perhaps 
You go to Milwaukee, you maybe get, you know, uh, Carlos Gomez. Um, Which the Mets Mets try to go get Jay Bruce might be available. Everybody for the Reds might be available. There's a lot there. Um, And I think, uh, yeah, everybody for the Reds. But I was thinking about this, and I only think about this because of this show. I don't think this is reality. But just think about the possibility with David Ortiz moving to the Angels, I know you don't want to do it, but you get a left-handed bat there. You let him DH. Pujols is having another career year, yeah. another reinvention. Let him play first most of the time. I suppose you can flip him occasionally. Have Trout in center, as you always do. Have Cole Calhoun in right. And then you say left field, Matt Joyce going to struggle, whatever's going to happen out there. Yeah. But we got another bat here at DH. I got another left-handed bat for you. And with Freeze getting dinged up for the Angels, yeah. maybe we'll take a look at him. How about Pablo Sandoval? We could just move <laughs> along. I, I really think like the the <laughs> the Red Sox fans as a whole, I mean, and you know, we've been spoiled. Okay, so our expectations are a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of tempered the expectations coming into the season. I was kind of excited, but to say we were going to win the division and all this stuff is a little bit ridiculous because we were a last place team last year. We got rid of Lesta, so we're not as good as starting pitching wise. Uh, you know, last year we traded Miller, so our bullpen came back depleted, even though we added the, you know, immortal Robbie Ross and Anthony Vavaro and stuff like that. But <laughs> I mean, that was coming down. And then we picked up two bats that who knows what they're going to be like. I mean, I kind of knew Pablo was a guy that kind of goes through the motions a little bit in the season yeah. and was wondering if he's going to hold up in the, the Boston media scrutiny. But he's a guy that, you know, hits in the 270s and he'll hit like maybe 15 bombs and knock in 70 ribs. But it's just they got him because in the postseason the guy comes alive. So you just kind of got to get through that muddling time and then wait for him in the postseason. When that muddling time is all you have because you don't make the postseason, it's obviously going to look that much greater. And I think Hanram's getting a kind of a bad rap just because he's so horrible to watch play the outfield. <laughs> but I do actually see him getting a little bit better out there. It's sad, but it, it's the 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 improvement is is very gradual, shall we say, <laughs> at best. But and the guy is he does lead us in homers. He leads us in slugging. You know. I mean, is that saying much on this team? Not to be too outwardly. I mean, malicious. he's on a thirty home run pace. I mean, uh, that's like pretty good year. I mean, it I don't is. know what people thought, you know, coming into the league that that oh, is he going to all of a sudden be a forty forty guy because he's wearing a Red Sox jersey? <laughs> no. <laughs> if he hits thirty bombs, that's great. I was I'd be excited for that at the beginning of the season. But it's it's about them not hitting in the clutch. I mean, and the, the, just the that uh, break. I mean that. Road trip, which was horrible, over seven. They hit a collective forty-seven for two thirty. That's a two hundred four clip. Ooh. With runners in scoring position, mm-hmm. nine for forty-eight. That's one eighty-eight clip. So you're not going to win many games, and they didn't. They were zero and seven on the trip. Have, they were outscored thirty-nine to thirteen. Out homed sixteen to three. They and allowed 16 homers on a seven-game road trip. They did. That's real bad. <laughs> That's real bad. A lot of solo I, shots. I'm sorry. I'm not making fun. It just, I am kind of making fun of it. That's, That's bad. real bad. And yeah. I know seven's a real small sample size. I know the Angels have totally come alive on offense, and we talked about this two weeks ago. I told you this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, my God. Yeah. Uh, 
look. Do you have the number of strikeouts they have in scoring position on that trip? Did you write that down? I did not. Because but they had more strikeouts on that trip than hits. They had 51 strikeouts and 47 and that's hits. that's another thing. It's not just that you don't cash in with runners in scoring position. It's that they don't understand situational hitting. When you have a guy on third and less than two outs, your job is to what? Get him in. Anyway, you can't put the ball in the air. Just put the ball in play. Assuming uh. the defense isn't in, and even if it is, if you can punch it through the defense, and that's a certain scenario, uh. put the ball in play. And I'm not saying that it's all man on third, less than one out on scoring position. Sometimes you're going to get a guy at second with two outs, and there's only so much you can do. But the point is, when you've got guys on the pond, as the kids say, oh yeah, you ducks on the pond. Put the ball in play and make something happen. And this isn't a Red Sox only offense. Everybody in baseball is striking out at an unbelievable clip. We just saw on this trip Mike Trout, best player in the game, strikes out all the time. So you can't fault the whole situation here. It's more of a system thing than just the Red Sox. But you got to understand situational hitting better. You know, a guy like David Ortiz obviously does. We talk home runs, but that man's a professional hitter. The question is, beyond him, does Pablo understand the situation? If Mike Napoli gets it, can he come through? The answer is no. <laughs> that's that's one of the biggest problems, aside from the albatross, which is pitching, but that's a whole, you know, yeah. we don't have six hours. But even even Ortiz this year is garbage with runners in scoring position. I yep. mean, he had a great day today, but coming today, I think he was hitting like buck fifty with runners in scoring position. That's just not going to cut it. I mean, the only guy that's hitting legit, uh, legitimate average with running in scoring position is Bogots. Four more hits, by the way, for uh, old Xander. Oh, yeah. He happens to be the shortstop on Yankee Suck, too. What's up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, some great news today, yeah. and, and really the news of the day, is the best pitcher to ever do it, Pedro Martinez, elected into the Hall of Fame. Let's not go that far. Wow. Wow. I'm gonna, I'm still going to stump for... Ruby De La Rosa? Uh, Jorge. Jorge. Oh, Jorge, Jorge throws the ball at Coors, baby. Um, look... Okay, so I brought the sheet, and I apologize for the folks watching the video if I'm reading, but I do want to read a couple stats to you because you have to hear these Please, things. please. Jorge De La Rosa, 1999 in Boston, is a 27-year-old. 99 was the height of Homer era. I, I think you're talking about Pedro Martinez. You, what did I say? Jorge De La Rosa. Oh, Pedro Martinez. There we go. Pedro Martinez, excuse me. Wow. See, it's, it's just so ingrained. I was like, wow. 99, this is the year after Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and the chase. Yes. 99 in Boston, Pedro. Started 29 games through five complete games, 213 innings, 313 strikeouts. I know, that was he sick. He allowed 160 hits. And in 29 starts in 213 innings, nine home runs allowed. You could turn on MLB The Show. There's five more years like that in Boston and two more years like that in Montreal. You could turn on MLB The Show and create a player and he would not have as dominant of a time as some of Pedro's years from about 1996 through about 2005, 2006. Absurd. Absurd. And look, and this is broader speaking, in baseball, in a real sport, ladies and gentlemen, not basketball, not football. In basketball and football, they have the Hall of Very Good. If you play football, you win a Super Bowl, you play about six years, you get to go into the Hall of Very Good. In baseball, it's the Hall of Great. It's the Hall of Fame. There's going to be guys, my boy Todd Helton is going to be real dicey if he gets in because they're worried about Coors and altitude and stuff. But the fact that Helton is on the bubble shows you how damn good the Hall of Fame is. You can't cheat your way in there. 
literally and figuratively in yeah. baseball. You can't get in there sloppy. You can't get in there just, you know, in the back door. you got to earn it. All four of those guys earned it. John Smoltz, Randy Johnson, Craig Biggio, and Pedro. But Pedro, my God. Great class. My God. Unbelievable. And the dude's, what, 150 pounds soaking wet. That's almost what makes this more remarkable, With right? With bricks in his pockets. Yeah. And a I, roll a quarter on each arm. The durability for guys right now who are dropping like flies, the durability for a guy like that. And I know he had injury time, too, especially near the end of his career. Everybody does. But the durability for a long time with him to just go the distance, to go whenever he had to go, literally whenever he had to go in 04 in that last game against the Yankees in the ALCS, and he wasn't expecting to go, and they bring him in, and he's like, okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> um, I I won't say greatest to ever do it. Three-time Cy Young winner. I will say one of the greatest. I um, mean, that stretch... During the juice ball area era, it's like the mo- uh, it's the most dominant stretch. I mean, the only other stretches you could put in there is maybe Koufax. Yeah, when uh, in the end of the '60s, when it was a pitcher's dominated league, anyway. And this was in the heart of the juice ball era. It, just to touch upon his uh, his record with the Red Sox, career record, yeah. 117 and 37. That's a 760 winning percentage. That's insane. His ERA during that time, 2.52. The AL mean ERA during that time, 4.65. Ooh. <laughs> so better than two runs better than everybody else. Here's a better one for him. 5,498 5, batters faced as a Red Sox. 1,683 strikeouts. Ugh. Do the math. It's, it's It's one out of every three and a half hitters he was striking out. That's absurd. Absurd. It's 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 one of the most ridiculous things. I mean, all four of these guys, you could do the same thing with Biggio, Smoltz, Johnson. You could do the same thing. But that's the point. Yeah. So dominant for so many years. I'm amazed he only won three Cy Youngs. Yeah. But this is back when we were giving it away for pitcher wins. He deserved to win a Cy Young in a year like 2000. He finished second, I believe, right? He deserved a couple – or excuse me, 1998, I'm thinking, and he finished second. It's It's – I don't know what else to say about this guy. Phenomenal. And the comments this week to Colin Cowherd, also phenomenal. I actually missed those. What he said about Cowherd. You know what Cowherd said about, you know, baseball, it's it's it can't be that intelligent a game or whatever. Dominicans right. play it. You know, right. they're terrible, just idiot. Yeah. Yeah. And Pedro's comeback, I'll show it to you afterwards. It's yeah. long, it's really well thought out. It's uh <laughs> Pedro nice. won, nice. Colin zero. Um, <laughs> but he's not going to shy away from that either. Of course not. Uh, okay, Very so eloquent. I'll ask you this, Red Sox fan for life. Okay. Uh, favorite Pedro moment, go. I go back and forth on this. I mean, I, I got to say it's probably in 99 in the Division Series versus Cleveland when he comes out of Game 1 with a, a – Pulled muscle in like back of his shoulder. Okay, so he doesn't. He comes out of that game. And game five, we got <laughs> Brett Saberhagen like on smelling salt or something out there. It's ninety nine. <laughs> How old was he? Fifty. Yeah. And he's on the bump, and he obviously got rocked. And uh, so he has to come in. Pedro, you know, they got him warmed up in there. What does he do? Six innings, no hit ball. They win. They go to the independent. <laughs> it's. It, I mean, that's pretty sick. That one. And then, I mean, you can always say his turn in the Bronx there, too. That one hitter where he, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Chili Davis took him deep in the second inning and then he retired like 21 straight or 22 straight or something. One hitter, 17 Ks yeah. in the Bronx. I mean, that one was pretty sick. And then, so I go between those two, but then also 
when he hit Gerald Williams that one time, like to lead off the game, and like Gerald Williams like looked at his hand like he couldn't believe it, and then yeah. he like charged them, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that might get somebody a little rattled having like a bigger guy coming out of you, 150 pounds. Then he like retires like 27 on that 28, <laughs> you know, and it was like sick, like 13 Ks, no walks. I mean. Just unhittable. Just unhittable. And, and the thing I'll always remember uh, about Pedro is, like, I mean, everybody nowadays, you always there's one or two guys you want to see in batting practice, and all the kids will go and have them hit, like, monster bombs and stuff in pregame. But people would go and watch him throw his bullpen before the game, you know? It was like the whole, you know... Fenway was empty, you know, there were people straggling, you know, different pots. And then the section at the bullpen where he was pitching, full. Yeah. You know? And and that's something I haven't seen before since, you know? The guy's just amazing. And, you know, he was just a perfect fit for Boston because he's, you know, not only sick on the mound, but so loquacious and you know, great say, for the media. Sick in the head, and I mean that in a, in a, as a compliment. In the oh, most yeah. complimentary way I can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, his best quote ever, you know, we were just talking about events, is when he said, uh, let's dig up the Bambino and have him face me. I'll drill yeah. him in the ass. Oh, my God. Or, or the so Yankees great. are my daddy, right? Yankees that's my daddy. that's the big one. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, I'll give you a couple of Pedro moments for, for an Please. outsider like yeah, me. Yeah, tell me. Uh, back in Montreal when he was batting, I don't remember who he got hit by, but came out on the mound, threw his helmet at the pitcher and got a huge yes. fight. They were playing the Phillies in like, you know, 94. I can't remember who the pitcher was. It was somebody big. It wasn't Mitch Williams, but it was somebody like that. Yeah. Uh, another one, I believe he was the one who took the perfect game into the 10th in San Diego, lost the perfect game and the game. Uh, he's one of the only people to take a perfect game past nine and not get it like Harvey Haddix did. Um, another one that I had with him was that 4 ALCS game when he comes in late. The only reason I say this for him is you've seen the documentary uh, Four Days in October. Of course. Of yeah, course. Yeah. One of my favorite sports documentaries of all time, period. That's great. Uh, but his reaction to the documentary when they interview everybody, and everybody's like, yeah, the plan was for Pedro if we needed him, if we needed him. And Pedro, they get him on camera, and he's like, I was in my turfs. I'm not trying to go. <laughs> so they called down to the bullpen. They're like, you're pitching. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> just, everybody communicated with this except for Pedro. Right. And, you know, they were up at one. What was the score? They were they were up 9-3 to three at that point or whatever. Yeah. So he's like, I'm not going to pitch. We're up six runs. There's two. In, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's the only guy in the stadium who's not ready to pitch. Um, and then the other one, and we got to let's talk about it. How about Don Zimmer? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, he he was really he felt bad about that, but I mean, hey, the gerbil came at him. I mean, I don't think it was anything malicious going after an old guy. I think it was really kind of a just a turnstile move, you know. He just kind of olayed it, and you know, the gerbil's momentum took him right into the to the, the, the gerbil was round um, and old. I mean, at that time he was you know eighty years old or whatever. Uh, just the optics on that political pundits talk about optics. You can't. <sighs> You can't get in a fight with a with an octogenarian because you ought, you always lose. You cannot win. You knock them out, you lose. You're the asshole. They knock you out, you lose. You throw them down, you still look like the asshole. You can't win that fight. So, you know, I, I know that's a memorable moment. It's not his best, but eh, he's in the Hall of Fame in spite of it. And he went in wearing which cap? 
Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. I did, mean, you, did you see his bust? Did you see the actual picture? Oh, of yeah. It? He's got the Jerry Curl in it. It's vintage Pedro. Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not talking Gorgeous. about like 2004 Pedro. I'm talking about like 1998 Pedro. But the Jerry Curl made a comeback, too, in 04. It, true. I mean, it so it's like, it's it's pretty well. And, you know, it's funny you like mentioned that Montreal team. I think they ended up winning that, that, that game where he took the perfect game into the 10th and then lost in the 10th and then okay. they pulled him. But I think they ended up winning one nothing. I forget who it was where verse maybe it was the Padres like you say but and remember that Montreal team that team he was on because he started with the Dodgers he was a Dodger initially they signed yep. him and then he goes to Montreal in that nine for Delano the Shields was it I think it was yeah. I think it yeah. was but for all due respect to the Dodgers what they needed at the time didn't pan out but you need yeah. a major it was a classic deal you need a major leaguer you send over a young guy it happens I guess we have to say Delano the Shields senior yeah because juniors in the juniors doing his thing have you mm. seen junior play for the Rangers I have he gets on base man yeah, he is fast he gets on base yeah. he's Billy Hamilton if Billy Hamilton were good, uh, yeah, I went there. Reds yeah, fans, yeah. Um, no, but Pedro, <laughs> that '94 Expos team that Sick. he was on, so stacked. And and so oh. I wonder if he would ever become a Red Sox if there wasn't the work stoppage that year. Yeah, say the Expos go off and win it all. Do they just re up Pedro and you know make him the best expo to ever play at? Or even just the delay. With that delay, something changes and he goes yeah. somewhere else. They trade it. Yeah, just whatever it is, little things. It's how it works out. Thank you, work stoppage. <laughs> You're the only one who's ever said that about the '94 strike. <laughs> um, one other uh, little quiz question for you okay. about the Hall of Fame. It is not about Pedro. I was shocked to learn this today. John Smoltz went in the Hall of Fame. First pitcher ever to go in with 200 wins and 150 saves, which when you think about it, it's pretty obvious because of his career. Yeah. But the other thing, he's the first pitcher ever to go into the Hall of Fame having done what? Hmm. Having done what? Um, this is John Smoltz we're talking about. John Smoltz. Uh, having been... She's got the has got the music going. I love. Um, I don't know. Being traded for Doyle Alexander. I mean, <laughs> with three men that have never been in my kitchen. Um, uh, he's the only guy to go in the Hall of Fame with less hair on his head. No, he's the only guy to go in the Hall of Fame thus far who has had Tommy John surgery. Oh yes. He mentioned that in his speech. Is that not shocking to you that he's that he was the first one in the Hall of Fame with Tommy John? Yeah. I mean, certainly he's not going to be the last. There's going to be Now there's going to be a bunch, but seeing how it's so perfected now that guys are getting it and coming back. Who, okay, so who's the first, who's the next, let me say this, who's the next Hall of Famer who's had Tommy John? Tommy John Because the guy I think of right now, Felix Hernandez had it. So he's probably going to go. But there has to have been somebody who's, Already retired or getting ready to retire? Who's had it? I was racking my brain earlier today trying to think yeah. who's had TJ and is going to be a Hall of Famer. If you racked racked your brain and came up empty, <laughs> I don't know what you think you're going to get from you me. You just got to look at rosters in like 2008 and yeah. just. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean, which is a really, really good guy on one of these teams. But I was trying to think about it because surely King Felix is not going to be, you know, there's going to be somebody in between. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah Tom, John Smoltz is the first that shocked me. Think about his playing career. I can't believe somebody didn't do it before. For God's sakes, Tommy John, who the surgery is named after, was playing three, four decades ago. Yeah. You know, there, there hasn't been somebody in between. Craziness. That's insane. I'm going to make a prediction now. The first catcher that's going to go into the Hall of Fame oh, after God. having Tommy John surgery 
Christian Vasquez. That's that's a hell of a prediction. And considering the prediction you made last week off air, for the folks at home, we, did, what, we made a... Was that off air? Yeah, it was. We made a bet. Should we leave it there? No, 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 okay, no. All right. <laughs> no. All right. We made a bet last week off air. Um, I believe the Red Sox are a 76-win team. My friend Mike over here believes the Red Sox are a <clears throat> 87 win team. That was before the 9 of 11. It was, <laughs> to my defense. Uh, but we bet a meal on it. We bet lunch on it. So I, uh, I'm i getting ready. I'm finding places in Beverly Hills that I enjoy. Oh, I'm going to. Baby. About October 1st, when the season ends and the Sox are 76 and 86, best case scenario, you're going to be, you just get the black card out right now, okay? Oh, boy. You start paying off those credit card bills so you can take me somewhere nice. I tell you, it's not looking good. But I'm, I'm, I'm just re, I'm recommitting here. Uh, you know, you see, I did what I could to support the team right here. Okay, shave the beard. I shaved the beard. I mean, I was thinking, you know, they're in that road trip. What can I do as a fan <laughs> to help these guys get out of this rut? Originally, I was thinking, I'm going to fly down to Houston. Round up a big group of fans, and we're going to go up to the the press box and get Josh Maurer out of there with like <laughs> torches and stuff, you know, Frankenstein style, and roast him out of there. I mean, that guy just zero uh, and seven. He comes in, and why is Nesson making Don Osillo take vacation? That's garbage. That is terrible. Don and Jerry are the best team out there uh, I like, by far. I like Jerry a lot. But I love... They're so great. I love that your go-to is to take out the play-by-play guy. He's a mush. He's always 7 He's winless. That's terrible. Are you, are you, you know? the guy? Can I ask you a question then? Seriously? I didn't do it. No, no. Well, okay. I shaved the beard instead after the Jose Altuve walk-off. Are you sure? You're sweating a Two and bit. one cents. Okay. Okay. These lights getting hot under here. Boom. So here's my question: Are yeah. you the guy? If, if if the play-by-play guy is is the bad luck charm and mm-hmm. was until you got back and played Detroit, are you the guy when Cole Hamels was throwing his no hitter? If ESPN, if somebody on Twitter, if a play-by-play guy says, "Hey, Cole Hamels got a no hitter through eight, are you the guy who's like, "Crap, you jinxed it"? I kind of give the guys in the studio a pass, but if you're in the, if you're in the field, you you should shut up about it. Like a it. player. A player yeah. or an announcer. If you're at the stadium, you shouldn't mention you know, it either. I've heard, and I don't. I think that's crazy, yeah, man. Yeah. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Except players. If, if if the pitcher wants to be alone, yeah, shut your mouth. Yeah. But I've heard stories, and I have to look this up, and I'm sorry I don't have it. Mm-hmm. But pitchers who have thrown perfect games tell stories afterwards where they were like, nah, dude, we were talking about it since the third inning. <laughs> like, we would come back in. We'd be talking about it every half inning. Yeah. Like, some of these guys, you just got to flout it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's kind of like, uh, you know. In hockey, who like touched the conference championship trophy a few years ago? You know, they just like gonna stare in the face of that. I'm not gonna be yeah. superstitious, and you know, some guys do it. But I would say of all the sports, baseball is probably the most superstitious by far. Yeah, because there's so much out of your control. There's so many weird ways the ball bounces, literally. Yeah. And when you look, any sport where you fail 70 percent of the time and go to the Hall of Fame, right? You have to be. You got to be crazy. You can't be all the way there to watch it. Or to play it. It's a, it's a weird game, and I love it. Yeah. Did you uh, play with any guys that had screwy uh, routines or I'm trying uh, to think of the weirdest 
routine. Routines for sure. But I'm trying to think of the weirdest superstitions. We had one person, I will keep him nameless, won't even say where I played for this because this is very incriminating. He was uh he was he was pretty religious, really nice dude, really religious. And every day before the game, I don't know if this was a superstition or what, but every day before the game, walking around the clubhouse at you know, game starts at seven PM, he's walking around by this point at like four thirty. He was an outfielder, so whatever. Uh after BP come back in and walk around the clubhouse totally naked, looking in all the mirrors, yelling, looking in the mirror and going, with this body, how the hell am I still a virgin? <laughs> every day. <laughs> Literally every day. Wow. And, and yeah, I think, I don't know if that's a superstition or just part of, like, a routine to that's, succeed. Yeah. That's but, very uh, you know. Pedro Serrano-esque. He didn't, he didn't, he's not a big leaguer. There's yeah. no, you know, superstar I'm shielding yeah. here. But he, he did play a couple years after that, so it yeah. worked well enough to move him, you know, along. But, uh, yeah, that was probably the weirdest one. Oh, boy. So what do you think, just getting back to the trades, because that is kind of the <laughs> big thing in this, this this next week. Yeah. Um, do you think Hamels gets moved? Yes, I do. I think, to be honest, looking, looking league-wide, uh, with Cueto gone, with a second level, with a number two, number three guy like Scott Casimir gone, uh, your options are dwindling. And Hamels, to me, the Dodgers really, 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 really need at least one starting pitcher, and Brett Anderson just had an Achilles injury. He's going to start Tuesday. We'll see. Uh, Ooh, Achilles. We talk, I know. We talked a lot about it on that Dodgers Wrap 360. I'm telling you guys, check it out. A lot of National League stuff. Uh, the real baseball league. Um, but we talked a lot about that. I think Hamels gets moved. I just don't Half? see the Dodgers giving up Seager or... Urias? I see Seager. I can see yeah. Seager. Yeah, okay. Urias, definitely not. We talked about that. Yeah. No Urias when you're 19 in AA, 100% no. But I could see Seager. I could see a guy like Jock Peterson go. Um, young, controllable, big league, but young with a lot of controllable years. Wow. Um, but, you know, that all depends what the Phillies want. But I do think that Hamels gets moved only because half of it is the need for teams like L.A. or Texas or whomever, and half of it is I have no faith in Ruben Amaro to do anything (laughs) successful. And he will get an offer that he deems good enough, and he'll pull the trigger, and about a year from now we'll look back and say... You're an idiot. Yeah, you know you you screwed this up yet again. But I do think he gets moved. Most of the idiots that come out of trade deadline deals are usually the buyers. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. When's how that the last out. buyer that has had not just hey this worked out okay, but the last buyer that had a ton of success with one? Is it CC Sabathia in 07 or 08 or whatever with the Brewers? The Brewers. That Is was that, a big one. I mean, I know he was he was otherworldly. He was like eleven and zero down the stretch. Yeah. But it was like Randy Johnson esque. Yeah, I mean, what's the one since then? That's the absolute best case scenario. Never happen again. But what's the other really successful one since then? I'm sure I'm missing an obvious one. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, like it seems like the Giants always add nothing, no big splashes. But I mean, they did, uh, Pence did well for him when they added him at the deadline yeah, that that's one a good time. Point. Um, you know, and they just like kind of add little pieces of Scudero and things like that. They, I, I, they're gonna be they're they're a sleeping giant. You no, know, they're there. no pun intended. Yeah. No, they're there. They're gonna they're gonna pick someone up at the deadline, and they're gonna be to be reckoned with. I think the Giants are there. I think the Mariners, standings wise, are not there, but I think the Mariners could do some interesting stuff too. Yeah. Um, you think they're gonna be buyers? They're gonna 
trade for somebody? Well, here's the thing about the Mariners. The Mariners have that weird mix of youth and, and some veteran stars. Robinson Cano's locked up for a long time. Yeah, yes. And they've got some other good guys that we don't know about if you don't watch a late West Coast game, but like a Seth Smith kind of guy. Really pretty solid player. they got a few huh. guys like that. Former Brad, Rocky people, that's why he was mentioned. That is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, former quarterback at the University of Mississippi. Um, weird fact of the day. I mean... They like drafting those college quarterbacks, Todd Helton. Yeah, it works. Yes, yeah. Uh, Michael Vick got drafted by the Rockies, never signed. Um, but no, I think the Mariners could become a buyer, but not necessarily to contend this year. I think long term, they would say, can't do Cueto, he's a rental. Who could we do next year? Or conversely, do the Mariners say this winter, let's make a run at a Cueto? Well, yeah, and the, what's been odd is what I've been hearing lately, and because I kind of disagree with you on the fact that he, the pitching market seems to be drying up because the Padres seem to be wanting well, to trade everybody the now. They line, got the front line guys. They got Ross and Cashner yeah. in the mix now. You know, but, Shields obviously. But, but if you're the Dodgers, I mean, to use the Dodgers as the example because they're kind of the biggest front line team needing a front line guy. Yeah. Andrew Kashner is not a frontline guy. Yeah. You know, Giovanni Gallardo, no offense, is not a frontline guy. And other guys who are available, look at the Brewers. The Brewers are trying to give away Kyle Loesch, and everybody's like, nah, bro, we're cool. Like, we, <laughs> we, don't, we don't need this right now. You know, the, the other guy, and I know it's a Rocky, but the, but this is what I know, but it's one to keep an eye on, is Jorge De La Rosa. Right. Another year coming up on his contract, he's owed like $16 million total between this and next year, yeah. but his contract expires after next year, so he's not a rental rental, but he's a let's win pretty quick right. and if you were the Dodgers the Rockies won't do this in division but if you're a team like that maybe the Rangers maybe the Orioles who almost did it last year you say hey veteran pitcher a number one in Colorado is really a number two number three in most other places right. if Boston were contending my god would they love a guy like that if Boston were in the hunt I think you'd absolutely go get go get a Jorge De La Rosa well th- I think that's the type of guy you know we look for guys under team control for a few more years so yep. we can kind of see him at a manageable number and see what he's got and see if we do want to extend this guy or the way we did the last season don't have to see him at all and just start handing out extensions, <laughs> a la Rick Porcello, who, by the way, actually had his best turn the other day in about two months and has had three serviceable starts since Ryan Hannigan has been back behind the dish. So Listen, I don't a... think he's going to earn his $22 million. <laughs> However, but, you know, maybe a, it's a step in the right direction. A blind squirrel finds a nut every now and three times. Is the, that how the phrase goes? There it is. I mean. Start 30 games a year, you're going to have, you know, unless you're Kyle Kendrick, you're going to have 10 good ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Sorry to put that out there, That's but great. let's let's be honest. All right, looking at the week ahead for the Bo Sox, we got a nice long home stand here. So we got four more versus the White Sox at Fenway and then the Rays come in for three. I like that. I mean the the White Sox are horrible. Just what the doctor ordered after playing good teams. Do you want to do you want a White Sox trivia question, or should we save that to the end of the show? No, I mean we're we're nearing that point. Oh, well, so let's, let's we'll do just it. Give before, it to me. Okay, yeah. so here's a good one for the folks at home too. Okay, cool. The White Sox have three players in their history who have for their franchise, not total, just for the White Sox, have 100 homers and 100 stolen bases. Name the three. I'll give you a hint. One is current. One is recent. One is a legend. Three White Sox. 100 homers, 100 stolen bases. Uh, The legend I'll go with, Harold Baines. Incorrect. Not a bad guess, though. Really? Didn't have the 100 steals? Man. Wow. So 100 RBIs, 100 steals. 100 homers, 100 homers, 100 100 steals. steals. As a member of the White Sox. Right, right, right. Um, 
One wow. current, one recent, one legend. One current, one recent, one legend. Wow, I'm trying to, I'm having trouble thinking of uh, who's got 100 steals for them. Start current. Who's a current? Make your current guess. I think that's probably the easiest one. Yeah. Current guess. He's stumping me here. This is really, I'm on the spot here. It's not the music. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, just for the sake of dead air, you might have to just give it to me. Um, I'll, I'll give you the legend. Okay, who's the legend? Mini Minoso. Okay, Mini Minoso. Uh, the, who was on the team? Who's like one of the long? Man. I'll give you another hint. It ain't Adam Dunn. No, well, certainly not him. He does not have a hundred steals. <laughs> he didn't have a hundred steals. Got close, didn't make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's certainly not Paul Carnico. <laughs> no, yeah. it is not. No, no, no. It's not the big hurt. <laughs> um, I, you're just gonna have to give them to me. Bro. So, many minutes. So, okay. the recent is Ray Durham. Oh, I was gonna guess Ray Durham. Oh, you should have said it. I should have said. It's better it. guess than that. I'm done. Is, uh, and the current is the current. Alexi Ramirez. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. He's got a hundred bombs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he's a nice old player. He is a nice um, old player. He always seems to get like be a thirteen, eighteen guy. Hey, listen, yeah. it's just finding good shortstops is tough. That's a good shortstop. I don't think they're going to give him up, but yeah. that's a that's a real good shortstop. They seem um, to be peddling him. They're often. peddling everybody. Yeah. But that's the thing. Okay, so back to the preview. The reason yeah. I say that, and actually it ties in with Ramirez, yeah. the White Sox of Sunday night at 11 p.m. are real different than the White Sox of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. By the middle of the Red Sox series, they could look totally different. Samarja could be gone. That's true. Uh, maybe almost anybody but Chris Sale could be gone. You know, who knows? They could move a lot of guys in the next three, four days. Well, you know, we got to get there to 86 wins, so, or at least, like, 80, 82. Said, 80, I did say 87. Yeah, yeah, you know? So I hear you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, with, well, like I said before, we're just going to keep winning series. So that means we got to take three out of four from the White Sox and two out of three from the Rays this week. A nice five and two week. Good luck. I think you go at home, you go four and three. Okay, you'll take it. Whatever. All right. The Rays are ending up kind of, you know, inconsequential, fading a little bit like the Red Sox. So oh, boy. three games meaningless right there in nice. the division. Well, tell these fine people where they can find you, Bobby, when they hitch up this week. Uh, yeah, seriously, any baseball stuff this week, I'm on Twitter at Bobby DeMuro. And I don't want to brag, but the Dodgers Wrap 360 show right here on AfterBuzz. We do it every Sunday afternoon. It is, I will say this, I'll be generous, it is significantly better. <laughs> Than Red Sox rap three. No, actually, you know what? Honestly, it's a little bit different. If you're into stats, we're really stat heavy on the Dodger side. You are. It's you, are. Le- you know, it's a little bit different. But if you're into National League stuff, check that out. Uh, you can tweet me at Bobby DeMuro. Any baseball stuff, I will tweet you back yeah. all day. Red Sox rap three sixty. However, we're just into you know just shooting the breeze. A lot of that has to do with the fact that the numbers we could bring to it are just so disappointing <laughs> and disheartening that we just kind of skim over. When them. you said the strikeout but, number, it was like, yeah, don't stop talking. <laughs> no more, no more. But you can find me here and next week. Come and check us out on a Red Sox rap three sixty. Thanks for hanging out tonight. Go Sox. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. 
Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.